Good morning. Good morning. Our offertory prayer uh, this morning comes from uh, Ambrose, who was the Bishop of Milan. He was born in 340. And it goes like this. O Lord, who has mercy on all, take away from me my sins and mercifully kindle in me the fire of the Holy Spirit. Take away from me the heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, a heart to love and adore you, a heart to delight in you, to follow and to enjoy you. For Christ's sake, amen. Again, you can, you can give uh, by texting. You can text to give. You can uh, download the Riverstone app and give uh, that way. And you can also, uh, if you want to uh, write checks, you can send checks to our post office box. Uh, all of those numbers are on, on the screen. And uh, we just appreciate you and encourage you uh, to continue during this time as we seek uh, at Riverstone to be a place where people can come for help uh, rather than being a place that needs help. And uh, you've been faithful uh, to continue in your giving and, and it's helped us uh, to help others. So thank you for that. Uh, we are a week away from Pentecost. Uh, next Sunday will be Pentecost Sunday, a, a day that marks the birth of the church. Uh, Jesus called the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, the promise of the Father. Uh, in the book of Acts, there are three things that are connected uh, in the birth of faith, uh, what we would call coming into Christ or coming into relationship with Christ. Uh, three things that are always present uh, as we read through the book of Acts. Uh, repentance, uh, water baptism, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And repentance is always first. Uh, but sometimes uh, the spirit baptism happens before water baptism, as in Acts chapter 10, verse 47. Sometimes the spirit baptism and the water baptism happen together simultaneously, as in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 38. And then sometimes spirit baptism happens after uh, water, baptism, water baptism, sometimes even significantly after, uh, like we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Uh, sometimes uh, spirit baptism is dramatic. Sometimes it's dramatic, like uh, at Pentecost. We'll look at, at Pentecost uh, next Sunday, chapter 2 of Acts, where uh, tongues of fire and, and people speaking in languages or hearing languages that they, that they don't know. Uh, sometimes it's very dramatic. Sometimes it's not as dramatic. Uh, the Ethiopian in uh, Acts chapter 8, it just says that he had joy, that he rejoiced. And Acts chapter 16 of Lydia, what happens when Lydia is filled with the Holy Spirit is she expresses hospitality uh, towards people. And then again, uh, in Acts chapter 16, verse 33, with the Philippian jailer, uh, his response is to bandage the wounds of, of those uh, he's with. Uh, so different responses, not identical, uh, but still essential. So the, the way the Holy Spirit comes on us and, and the result or the immediate reaction uh, for us is not identical. But, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
is essential. We can't be the people that God has called us to be uh, unless and until uh, we are filled with his spirit. In Luke uh, chapter 24, Jesus tells his disciples uh, not to leave Jerusalem again. Apparently they were coming in and out of Jerusalem during this time. And Jesus says, don't leave again. Stay in Jerusalem, stay in the city until the promise of the Father comes. They are to wait. Uh, another uh, telling uh, maybe of the same event is in Acts chapter 1. Uh, Luke and Acts are intended by the author Luke to be uh, two volumes of the same work. And so in Acts chapter 1 he says in verses 4 and 5, Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised uh, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling the disciples to wait. Uh, wait waiting, waiting is difficult. Uh, waiting can be, can be hard. And in the Bible, 106 times we're told to wait on the Lord. So Waiting is, is hard, but waiting is, is also good. Uh, in Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, verses 25 through 27, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And then again in Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 8, we read, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. I probably get a lot of amens to that in regard to a pandemic. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud. So waiting can be difficult. Uh, I remember as, as a child, waiting for Christmas. Uh, waiting for Christmas, it seemed like it would never come. Uh, and, you know, I, I can remember counting the days. We probably started uh, in the Tanner household counting the days until Christmas around June or July, and we just couldn't wait. You know, it couldn't come fast enough. I think, you know, as an adult, you have maybe a little different perspective. Seems like Christmas comes a little bit faster. Uh, as an adult, uh, I remember as, as, a, as a young uh, married, the birth of a child, uh, when we were expecting uh, our first child, Mason, waiting for Mason to be born, uh, the birth of a child seems uh, to take forever. I can remember my wife even looking at me and, and saying, I, I think I'm going to be pregnant forever. I don't think this is ever going to end. And so waiting can be a difficult thing. I, uh, in school, waiting for grades to come sometimes uh, can be a tedious thing and you know you do the work and you turn it in and you want to know how you did and and sometimes you don't get that immediate response uh, we had a, an assignment uh, in my uh, doctor of ministry class that we didn't get the grade back for nine months and uh, if you want to see a bunch of anxious uh, students uh, seminary students and, and uh, ministry students just Give them an assignment and tell them that it's really important and that they need to do well on it and then wait nine months before you tell them how they did. But waiting, waiting can be hard, uh, it seems, 
that the greater the reward, uh, the longer we're willing to wait. Uh, it also, though, seems that the greater the reward, uh, the greater the degree of difficulty it is to wait because of the anticipation or the expectation that we have. Now, in this particular context, uh, the disciples have been given an assignment. Uh, they've been given an assignment, and it's obvious that the assignment that they've been given is a pretty significant one. It's a pretty important assignment. They have been told that they are to make disciples of all nations, uh, that they are to take the message of Jesus to the entire world, but not yet. Not yet. That is waiting in a nutshell. Not yet. Uh, so I want to talk today just for a few minutes about some lessons. Uh, lessons in waiting. Uh, because I know that a lot of us are anxious and, and want things to get back to some semblance of, of normality. Uh, if you read my email from Friday, what we're really looking for is not uh, normal. We're looking for God's normal, which is a super normal. But we still want to move out of this current state of things and get into a place where we, could, where we are uh, free to move around and to gather and to be with friends and, and to not have to social distance and all of those things that have caused us angst. Um, but there's a danger in only looking ahead and only focusing on uh, what we want, what we hope for, what we long for. We might miss what's happening right now, what God is doing and what God is saying in this moment. And so let's talk about waiting and, and some lessons on waiting. I, I want to say first that waiting on God can change you deeply. Uh, in his book, Waiting on God, Andrew Murray says, at our first entrance into the school of waiting upon God, the heart is mainly set on the blessings which we wait for. God graciously uses our needs and desires for help to educate us for something higher than we were thinking of. We were seeking gifts. He, the giver, longs to give himself to satisfy the soul with his goodness. It is for this reason that he often withholds the gifts and that the time of waiting is made so long. He is constantly seeking to win the heart of his child for himself. He goes on, as the soul learns its secret, every act or exercise of waiting becomes just a quiet entering into the goodness of God. Let it, waiting, do its blessed work and satisfy our every need. When we're waiting, we really are, in a sense, helpless. Uh, true waiting has no control over the situation. Uh, you can't speed it up and you can't slow it down. Uh, true waiting really is a lesson in the sovereignty of God. Uh, but you can choose how you wait. 
Uh, Melissa was telling me a couple of days ago, uh, she had listened to a podcast uh, about uh, an Enneagram uh, retreat. Some uh, fellow, a leader, had taken some people on a retreat, and, and uh, it was to be a 48-hour silent retreat. And uh, there was a, an Enneagram 3 uh, on this retreat who, during the first 24 hours, just about came unglued. Uh, the idea of just doing nothing and not speaking and just being completely silent uh, for 24 hours almost undid this person so much so that she went to the leader and said this is the worst idea ever I can't believe I can't do this I need to get out of here I need to leave this this is not for me uh, he convinced her to to stick it out and to stay through and then she described her experience as the first 24 hours uh, worst experience of my life second 24 hours best thing I've ever done Completely life-changing. Uh, waiting on God changes us deeply. Secondly, I would say that waiting reminds us that God is sovereign and that God is good. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 it says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Put all of your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. I believe that in this time, if we can learn just one thing, if we in this time can learn or remember or reinforce just this one thing, it will change how we live. Jesus invites us to place our cares on him because he cares for us. That's the one thing. Jesus invites us to put our stuff to put our cares, to put our burdens, to put our difficulties on him because he cares for us. And I would just say, stop your brain. If, if you can, just stop your brain just for a moment. And don't focus on how frustrated you are, how anxious, how angry, how scared, how outraged or confused or impatient or just over it. Don't post, don't share, don't blog, don't cuss. Just listen. Put your cares on me. I care about you. The third thing that I think waiting teaches us is that it teaches us to trust him. We wait in hope, not hopelessness. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 24 and 25, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it 
patiently. Faith that demands to see is not really faith. Trust doesn't require proof. Sometimes quick answers don't build our faith and don't build our trust as much as waiting can. In his book, Ruthless Trust, Brennan Manning says this, craving clarity, we attempt to eliminate the risk of trusting God. Fear of the unknown path stretching ahead of us destroys childlike trust in the Father's active goodness and unrestricted love. Waiting teaches us to trust because we can only learn trust when we have no control. The fourth thing I believe waiting teaches us is that, that waiting teaches us to pray. Uh, waiting teaches us sometimes a painful lesson of prayer. It teaches us, I would say, in a sense, real prayer. Not the, the well-thought-out, eloquent, theologically perfect prayers, but rather the, the oh God, oh God, oh God prayer uh, that really comes from deep, uh, from the soul, from a soul that's, that's anxious or even angry or, or hurt or lost. You know, the prayer that, that cries out, where are you, God? I need you, and I need you now. I need you to show up. I need you to do something. Uh, and lest we think that this is a less than prayer, I, I really believe in a lot of ways it's the most honest prayer, which makes it the more, more than prayer rather than the less than prayer. It's really similar to the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden when, when he says, Daddy, is there another way? You know, we read through that, and it's so easy to read that passage, you know, Father, if, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And it's, it just slides off of our tongue, and it's so easy to read that passage and, and to forget that a part of this passage is Jesus on his knees in the garden, sweating blood he's sweating blood he, he's not at peace he's not this is not a tranquil moment this is a guttural cry to his father is there any other way is there and so it's it's a passionate plea but at the same time, it's, it's made with a, a surrendered heart and an obedient heart that, that can say, your will be done. But, but don't think, don't think for a minute that it was easy. Uh, I remember when our son was in the hospital in, in Opelika, Alabama, and my wife uh, went into the prayer chapel there. She prayed this kind of prayer. She prayed uh, probably as close as 
as close to sweating blood as anybody I've ever known. Uh, she prayed, God save my boy. And, and she didn't care who heard and she didn't care how she looked. She just cried out to God, save my boy. And, and waiting can push us into that place of prayer that, that's real and, and it's raw. Andrew Murray said, the power of prayer depends almost entirely upon our apprehension of who it is to whom we speak. If you know God, you know his heart for you, you know that, as Peter said, he cares for you, then you can open up your heart and open up your mouth and be honest with him about your pain and about your struggle and pray those real, deep, raw prayers. Because the real and the raw really is for those who know him deeply. Pete Gregg opens his book, God on Mute, with this. First, there's prayer. And where there is prayer, there may be miracles. But where miracles may not be, there are questions. And where there are questions, there may be silence. But silence may be more than absence. Silence may be presence muted. Silence may not be nothing, but something. Something to explore, defy, accuse, engage. And this is prayer. And where there is prayer, there may yet be miracles. If your faith right now and your hope and your love are, are less than perfect, welcome to the family. Pretending that they are perfect won't help you. And being content and saying this is just the way I am and this is where I am and this is where I'll always be, that, that, that won't help you either. Waiting in the Lord will shape you and it will challenge you and it will change you. And the first 24 hours may feel like it will kill you. And the next 24 hours could be the absolute best ever. Submit to him. Be honest with him. Trust him. Let him do his work. Let him shape you during this time so that we come out of this better than ever. Now let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the way that you work, that, that nothing's wasted with you, that even uh, in a pandemic that can be frustrating and exhausting, you are at work to advance your kingdom both in us and through us. Show us, God, new ways of saying yes to you so that you can do all you have purposed to do in us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. We're going to, uh, again, have a, a time of ministry. Uh, Austin is here. He's going to lead us uh, for a few moments. And, and uh, I just want to encourage you to just be quiet before the Lord as, as Austin sings. And, and listen to the voice of God. And let him speak to you in this uh, quiet, in this time of waiting. Uh, let him speak to your heart and, and even into your soul. And uh, if you have a prayer request, if you have need for prayer, uh, there's a, a number on the screen that you can text. Uh, our prayer teams will pray for you. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, but let's just take a few minutes to be quiet before the Lord uh, and let him speak.